The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here's Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston. Throughout the season of Lent, Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church is reading and reflecting on stories of spiritual resilience. Last week, we began our study by observing that life's hard knocks leave marks. Resilience, we concluded, is not simply experiencing trauma, shaking it off, and quickly getting back to normal. Life's hard moments change us. So what then is resilience? At this point, I, th I think our working definition goes something like this. Spiritual resilience is a description of how, when buffeted by the storms of life, the faithful step back from the cliffs of cynicism and despair. To, to be resilient is to embrace a changed but full existence, a life of hope and joy. Uh, last week, we saw this in the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, and we talked about the importance of listening to the right voices in times of turmoil and trouble. Today, we're gonna to consider another approach to resilience. Today's text is Psalm 27. It's an old prayer. And as we read it, Psalm 27 may strike us as a meandering squirrel of a prayer. First it runs in one direction, then another, it bobs and weaves, and eventually, comes to rest in a whole new place. To get a sense of this movement, I'm going to ask you to read today's psalm with me responsively. I'll read the one part if you would read the many, the part in bold. And, and as we read, what, what I want you to do is to try and pay attention to moments when you feel like the tone of the psalm is shifting as together we listen for God's word. In Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to Behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. 
He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me on a high rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Scripture tells us that Psalm 27 is a psalm of David. David, the shepherd boy who became king the brave soul who, who bested Goliath in combat, the gifted musician who played his harp to soothe Saul in his court, who wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms. The good book says that this Psalm, this prayer comes from David. David's prayer starts out in a confident, decidedly chuffed manner. I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. I'm unfazed by the chaos and the enemies who surround me. Why? Because God is my fortress. Because God surrounds me, I am titanium. Psalm 27 starts out all bold and bulletproof. But it doesn't stay that way. Before long, the poetry pivots. Worry creeps into the prayer's cadence, maybe desperation. Eventually, the psalmist pleads with God, do not hide from me. Do not forsake me. What happened to the chest-thumping bravado? <laughs> Poof. It's been sucked right out of the room. It, it vanishes when the prayer opens a window into a surprising vulnerability. David, the great warrior, is afraid. Why? 
here, Psalm 27 actually offers us a few clues. It, it hints at its context, its backstory. In the prayer, David describes being surrounded by an army. He talks about being pursued by enemies. He says that he yearns to see God's house once again. M many think that these tidbits point to a time when David was on the run, when he was being chased by the soldiers of King Saul. You see, Saul had put a, a price on his former musician's head, and so David fled. And, and some think that, that David wrote this psalm in a desert cave, in a secluded place that's actually described in the first book of Samuel, where David was hiding from Saul's forces. And, and perhaps all this context explains why this prayer swings from confidence to trepidation. You can almost hear David's thought process. I'm talking big here, but, but what if the future isn't so rosy? What if God hides from me like I'm hiding from Saul? What if God isn't with me, guiding me, protecting me? What if I end up all alone in my hour of need? Have you ever experienced a sudden drop in your spiritual blood pressure? <laughs> Things seem great. It's a beautiful day. You've got a bounce in your step. And then all of a sudden you look over your shoulder and life feels, well, just plain precarious, full of danger and, and risk. Did you know that Elmo has a Twitter account? <laughs> yeah, Elmo, that Elmo, the fuzzy, red, kind-hearted puppet who lives on Sesame Street Elmo, the beloved creature with the high-pitched voice, he has a social media account, it's true. And, and guess what? Elmo has over a half million followers. <laughs> Every once in a while, Elmo posts to his account, and three weeks ago, this is what Elmo posted. Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? Within an hour of posting this basic question, Elmo had over 9,000 responses. And from there, the posts went viral. Within days, over 200 million people viewed Elmo's question. How's everybody doing? <laughs> now, now, I should point out that, that most of the people who responded to Elmo's post were not little kids. In fact, According to Sesame Street, the vast majority of Elmo's followers are adults. Most kindergartners, thank God, do not have social media accounts. All this is to say the thousands of responses that Elmo received came from, 
from parents and other adults, adults who were in the mood to be really honest. How am I doing? Well, one person responded, I just lost my job, so not so good. Thanks for asking, Elmo, said another. My life is a mess, and my dog just rolled around in goose poop. <laughs> Elmo, a third parent wrote, I'm worried about the presidential election. And then there was American poet Hanif Abdurraqib, who responded, Elmo, each day the abyss we stare into grows a unique horror. Wow. Overwhelmed by the sheer number and, and overall gravity of the responses, Samantha Malton, executive vice president of the Sesame Workshop, remarked, none of us were prepared for how deeply this question would resonate. But it, but it makes sense, right? In the midst of the nasty back and forth of contemporary politics, as our news feeds overflow with pictures of the grim conditions and rising body count in Gaza, as we process fresh worries about rising ocean temperatures and details about the tragic death, can we just call it an assassination of Russia's opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, in the midst of all this doom-scrolling awfulness, up pops a fuzzy red symbol of childish innocence, squeaking out the most basic of questions. How's everybody doing? And then what happens? The, the dam bursts. Anxiety and pain gush through the cracks. Somehow the kindly puppet triggers a collective human howl. People are on edge. <laughs> the cliffs of cynicism and despair seem mighty close. But you don't need me or Elmo to tell you that. We've all heard the diagnosis. What we want is a legit prescription for health. Is there a path that we can take to resilience? Does, does Psalm 27, do, does Elmo really have any wisdom to share? I have a two-step answer to that question. And then I'll sit down. Step one. We might note that both Elmo's Twitter feed and David's prayer model honest engagement. In Psalm 27, David starts out all proper and orthodox. He's confident, maybe overconfident. Maybe he thinks that's how you're supposed to pray. When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. But then the shift comes. Worry creeps in. As long as we're talking here, God, maybe you were wondering 
how are you doing, David? And my answer here in the cave is not so good. Is the confidence that I just expressed in the first part of this prayer misplaced? Will my adversaries stumble or will they catch me and tear me to pieces? I really don't know if the prayers that I just prayed will be answered. But right now, I've got to say, it feels like a, a coin flip. Anybody's game. And this is where David's prayer shifts. Do not hide your face from me. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. C.S. Lewis once remarked that people's prayers reveal far more about themselves than they do about God. God listens. God receives. We, however, unmask our hearts when we pray. The things that we pray about, the times when we pray, the way that we pray, these give us a glimpse into the state of our souls. And here, Psalm 27 would cover us with grace. How so? Well, if you're like me, your prayers are not thematic masterpieces. They don't sound like the poetic songs of St. Francis. Instead, they, they, they wander through the chambers of my heart, mirroring the messiness of my life. And Psalm 27 is totally okay with this. Psalm 27 is Scripture's permission to bring your wandering, messy self to God. This, my friends, is the first step that the psalm would have us take toward resiliency. And that step is honesty. David airs his fears. He gets candid with himself and honest with God. He sets aside unvarnished optimism and acknowledges hard things. The resilient soul dares to bring hard and scary things to God, trusting that God wants not perfection, but authenticity, boldly wagering that God can handle, that God will embrace, that God will transform the mess that we are. Alcoholics Anonymous has long recognized the truth of this. Resilience, getting up off the mat, begins with honesty. The second step that David takes toward resilience in this psalm has to do with focus. Focus? Does David have a focus in this prayer? <laughs> I thought we already described him as being unfocused, but, but not quite. He meanders, yes. 
he bobs, he weaves, but in the midst of this meandering path, David returns again and again and again to one theme. You can hear echoes of it early in the psalm. I will seek to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. All I want to do is spend every day of my life basking in your glory, God. Who, who talks like that? Well, evidently, David. <laughs> and while David is certainly capable of flattery, read other parts of his story, I think there's more going on here than base bootlicking. The author of 73 Psalms knows that he is at his best, his most grounded, healthy self, when he is focused on pursuing God, when he goes all in on searching for God's fingerprints, looking for signs of God's goodness in this world. Okay, context again. If this psalm is written by a man who's sitting in a cave, worried that the moment he steps outside, he'll be dragged away by Saul's thugs and imprisoned in some Arctic Circle gulag never to be seen again, if this is possibly the, the last prayer that David will ever pray, it seems significant that David, at this precarious moment, wants to testify, all I want to do is to search for the face of God. In, in today's psalm, David references this search three times, beginning, middle, and end. Let's listen again to how the psalm ends. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. At its close, this ancient prayer expresses tempered confidence, patient hopefulness, the belief that, that there is good out there, good worth searching for. My, my friend Tom R. says that it's easy to see the faults and broken places that exist in other people and in the world. It's easy to see the bad, but to see the good is a challenge. Psalm 27 nods in agreement. Seeking the good, embracing the good, furthering the good in community is our perpetual calling. And it's this mission that instills energy, strength, and purpose in us. It's this collaborative work that empowers us, that makes us Resilient, that gives us courage when, when we're crouched in life's caves, trembling at the world's horrors. After 
Elmo's initial post went viral. His account posted a follow-up delivered in the puppet's familiar, gentle, third-person style. It read, wow, Elmo is glad he asked. <laughs> Elmo learned it is important to ask a friend, how are you doing? In reply, one user wrote, somehow this actually legit makes me feel better. <laughs> I think Psalm 27 works in the same way. It starts by giving us permission to be a mess. If the greatest of Israel's king can be a meandering mess, why not us? <laughs> David answers the cosmic question, how are you doing? And he does so from the depths of his soul. He shares the worries, the burdens, the chaos of his life with God. And then, having named the goose poop and the grim fears, David steps toward resilience. He vows to search for signs of God's goodness. He states his intention to pursue holy possibilities for himself and his community amidst the storms of life. Holy possibilities that will make their days not simply survivable, but beautiful. At the end, having been bold, <laughs> And then scared, and then pleading for deliverance, David pivots to hope. And I don't know about you, but I trust this hard-won hope. Because of the honesty that precedes it, and because of the good that it yearns to embrace. To read Psalm 27, to, to follow its meandering path, is to witness an ancient soul reaching toward the life resilient. David clings to hope amidst his despair, and somehow, reading this, somehow this actually legit can make us feel better. Beloved children of God, as you go forth from this place, hear the strumming of David's harp. Hearken to the shepherd's prayer. I will seek the goodness of God in this world. Go forth, trusting in the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and clinging to one another in the power and solidarity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.